All right, y'all, welcome to episode 35 of Music in the Minor League. This week, we are joined by Vanessa Jean Speckman. Vanessa is a great graphic artist. You've seen her work on album covers like John Moreland, Michael Dean Damron, Micah Schnabel, and many more. You've seen her clothes on people like Lydia Lovelace, Frank Turner, Us. I mean, she does great stuff on George L. Blosser, who's a great photographer from Fort Collins area. Just, man, she does great stuff there. She used to run a zine. And then in recent years, she started a band called Call Me Rita, which has grown quickly into like just a straight up rock and roll tour de force, man. And we're really happy to finally sit down and talk to her. Before we start, we'll do some housekeeping things again. Call Me Rita has some music available online. They just finished up some dates around California and they've got some things coming up in the future. A lot of it's her and Micah touring together. So it's more like acoustic versions of the songs, but still, man, they bring it. It's high energy, really good stuff. So what do we have coming up? Well, same deal as last time, man. We're not playing any February shows. It is Valentine's Day. We didn't really plan on this one being out on Valentine's Day, but it's kind of sweet that it is because when me and Kim got married, we made a centerpiece out of her art. So there, that's our Valentine's tie-in. So I guess it's officially official that it's a Valentine's Day episode, right? All right. Anyways, real life. Um, No shows this month. Full band show coming on March 9th at the Old Quarter. March 8th, our new album's out. If you like what you hear on the podcast, tell your friends about it. Post stuff online. We're really excited for this interview, so let's just cut through all the mess and let's get to talking. First, let's rock out to a Call Me Rita song, and then we're going to get to the interviews. Like I said, this is a good one. Talked about a lot of real stuff, and it was so good to sit down with Vanessa. So let's cut it. This song is called Measure Twice, Cut Once. Hope you dig it. Later.
All right, y'all, welcome to this episode of Music in the Minor League. Today, we are here with Miss Vanessa Jean Speckman. You may know her from Call Me Rita, her band, or she has been on album covers for people like John Moreland, Michael Dean Damron, or Micah Schnabel, and Ghost Shirt. You may have seen her clothes on people such as Frank Turner and... Lydia Loveless. Yeah, there it went. I, went, I don't know how I forgot <laughs> Lydia's name. <laughs> Originally from California, transplanted to Columbus, Ohio, where she lives with her partner, Micah Schnabel, and now is back in california just hanging out doing some shows this week or, or at least tried to and then hopefully we right. succeed this coming week <laughs> yes that is the plan so thanks for that coming and talking to us and in full disclosure like you know we are big fans of hers we have for me and kim at our wedding we made a centerpiece out of vanessa's art mm-hmm. you can see us sporting her gear sometimes a great photographer george l blosser out of denver's caught many pictures that was actually a great icebreaker with him was that we knew vanessa yep. and also see her work in his <laughs> self-portrait Mm-hmm. And I even went as far as I have permanently drawn Vanessa art on my arm. So, you know, we're big we're big fans. It's great to talk to you today. Uh, thank you for having me. Complete honor. It's one of those disclosures where it's like, you know. That was an awesome a, intro. Well, it's, like, it's like the NPR Sam thing, you know, this is a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> Of this so, so you, you basically recused yourself from this interview <laughs> you know no i'm still i'm just i'm just putting my favoritism out front that i am a fan of vanessa's art for Aww. what's it been now like almost nine years because me and kim yeah i want to say the, the first like thing i ever years. saw that you did was uh was john morland's album cover mm. that's how i was that kind was... of introduced to your art and then saw more of what you did um online and uh, that was an that was an awesome honor to do that and I I yeah I I remember seeing your photos pop up online when George Blosser was at your Colorado shows and I was like ah George is in the right room with the right people I always that's kind of the thing if you're in the the that the show that George is at you're at the right the right Right. gig so hats off to you all (laughs) no kid we have we've totally seen shows George's shot and like that band would come through here like 10 days later and be like we gotta go George went like it's a we know him and Elaine up there just like oh yeah we got a good shows we suddenly get all of our music recommendations out of fort collins denver <laughs> so you know but it works right. out really good right <laughs> but anyways i know we're just talking about our things like but i think you know what was it september of our first time you met them was nine years ago it'll be nine years in september probably so, when we went yeah. to the, did the album release we came and saw y'all at the uh what was it the white horse in austin mm-hmm. oh shit yeah and that's where we got our yeah. t- take my hand run fast poster oh yeah Aww. that was Ooh. one of my you're a big part of a romantic gesture for me so you know oh here we are we, were mar- we got married so you know it worked out so definitely worked out <laughs> i know now we all well doing musical projects and expanding the creative forces so pandemic yeah, changed cool. a lot didn't it <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so now i talked about sure us did. for five minutes to open the podcast which i like to do i like to think about me first and then move on to the first the person we're talking to so <laughs> this is here so to start out i mean i know you did stuff for years as far as merch like i'm you know I don't know if you call it tour managing, but I know you did stuff with like Tim Barry and people like that on the road with them helping run things. And then you yeah. decided that, you know, like we talked to the last person we talked to, like, you know, something about that was like, you know, I want I should get up there and perform. I see all the stuff these people go through. Like I should do that. <laughs> right. Right. He, uh, sit and watch for long enough I think and then you're like oh I'm ready I'm ready to put me in coach so yeah I think my 
start into all of it was I was doing a zine called Lubricated Zine that um, that was like 2008, 2009 was my heyday back then. And um, that's how I was introduced to a lot of different musical scenes outside of the Bay Area in California. Um, that's like how I met Tim Barry and um, just a lot of people in the, the music scene from doing the zine. And I was booking a few shows at just a small dive bar here in San Jose called The Caravan. And um, yeah, so the zine was kind of my entrance into the music scene. I was doing photography. I graduated with an art degree. So trying to um, find my place in in it without being on a microphone. And then, like you said, Kim, a lot changed during the pandemic. And I got pretty angry and wanted to be loud about it. And um, <laughs> Call Me Rita has become less of a poetry band and more of a, a sonic band now at this point. So, um, but yeah, the zine was my my entrance into kind of meeting. That's how my, I met Micah for the first time before we were together and stuff like that was was through my zine. So that was a fortunate and an exciting time too. Um, and then, yeah, got tired of covering other people and talking about other people and um, in a positive way of, of finding my voice again. You know, I think I wanted to get away from creating for myself. Um, and so it was nice to get involved in community that way. But um, I also feel fortunate to have recognized, okay, it's time to, to come back and circle back to, to me and my work. So that's when I started doing um, visual art, like the text art and the shirts and figuring out how to tour as like a pop-up artist and kind of define define myself that way so kind of taking the long the long road of doing a lot of different things but I feel fortunate for it sometimes you know you're like oh I wish I had focused in more but I think it has allowed me to do a lot of different things at the same time so but I think that works yeah, well. think, oh sorry Hill. oh go ahead oh you can talk over me that's fine I'm just the guy in the dungeon <laughs> it's cool stay in your car <laughs> right no I, I think that I think that's a uh, you say it's a long way but I think I think also by doing it that way you now know more of the aspects that go into you know not only just merch and that part of it but just the whole aspect of it and touring and all that so i think it makes you more of a force when you're finally now that you're out there doing it yourself like you know you know you know the kind of the pitfalls that are out there and the bs that people try to spring on you so i think i think if anything you've put in uh like all those extra hours that i think you'll see the payoff quicker than maybe the rest of us coming starting just being a garage band and going that way you know so. true thank you thank you for yeah. the positive outlook on it it's so hard when you're in it, you know oh yeah. yeah but even coming from like like health does art as an artist like he has an art degree as well art teacher and uh you know dealing with dan who is a graphic artist I, mean, I used to do photography same thing had like a website version of like a music zine that's how i met a lot mm -hmm. of people and you know a lot of that you're like by yourself so even when you're creating things like a lot of photography things like that it's kind of the lack of community so one thing i always enjoyed about music was you get to go in you can have your vision but it has to filter through all these other people and it's pretty exhilarating when you're like oh man like we went in there and I had this and with these people I became this you know so mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. more gratifying about that so that's why I don't know I think it's good to get yourself you know to kind of get yourself in that mind space kind of working and I guess individual arts because it's not often you sit down and draw you know paint something with somebody or like I said right, right. no that, that's very true it's I've really been enjoying the community aspect of making songs with the band and, um, and then playing you know or doing to the shows we're all in it together and that that is uh, a very powerful and gratifying feeling yeah and i think i think part of the, the, the fun part too is is you know when you're working with 
people, you get that immediate feedback, you know, and I think coming from an art background, you know, one of the most stressful and exhilarating times of being in, in art school was the critique process, getting that actual live feedback. So it's nice when you can kind of ping pong ideas, get feedback and, and in real time kind of, because you, you kind of miss that sometimes when you're working individualized. Um, so I think that does kind of help a lot with the process. And, you know, I think we talked about it yesterday with uh, the other day with the rock bottom string band, you know, yes, you know, whatever you create is what you created. But when you have other people that have, you know, input on it, it kind of takes down these paths that you didn't even think about. And suddenly this thing that was small and, and, and very, you know, kind of microscopic can bloom into this giant thing. And it's, it's pretty amazing uh, how that kind of organically happens when you have a group of people to work with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Kind of jealous. jealous for your, your artistic development that I've seen over the last like eight or nine years. Um, but I know mm-hmm. not a lot of it was very easy. Or came at, you know, <laughs> an, a decent price at your mental health. But I really, really have enjoyed seeing you, you know, get like the process of you getting on stage has been very fun. And, mm. and uh, even on stage, you're still very visual. It's a blast to watch. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And likewise with you. I mean, <laughs> oh, thank you. It's I nice don't... to see the whole journey that we've all taken. And it's kind of in parallel, you know, I mean, between I the two so. of you, oddly enough, not that it was right, right. About the same period of time that yeah, we met so. you went from like not doing anything to like all right i'm doing this yeah but i wasn't I like think- hadn't mastered anything at that point it had been so long nobody, re- nobody <laughs> really masters <laughs> anything okay. right i was gonna say <laughs> i don't think that i would put myself in that category forever a student yeah. right if you mastered any if you mastered art no one would keep doing it it's kind of like well i already did that i'm done <laughs> i it's forget that aggressively that's the beauty I, of it think that's what keeps it interesting for ourselves is not putting ourselves in a box of you know of just making textual art for t-shirts you know it's like okay well how can I get bigger and weirder with this so I started painting on lace curtains and you know trying to do stage backdrops and and then that boosted my confidence within my own writing and then I was like okay Micah let's let's get weird with this you know so <laughs> I think it goes back to being in like a safe creative supportive environment with yourself <laughs> that it's nice to have a partner or bandmates or artistic friends that you can bounce that off of or you know like when I was doing the zine I, there was no way that I was physically able to um, create the, the actual zine so I had a friend who was a graphic designer who helped effectuate that in product so it was tangible um, and I could have all the crazy ideas and you know gather all the information so I think um, the extra bonus is finding collaborators who have the same kind of urgency and goals you know of personally like with like Call Me Rita especially becoming like a pandemic band there's not been time to be in the same room a lot and practice especially with everyone in different musical projects that have you know um, different requirements of time and whatnot so there's been a complete acceptance of imperfection (laughs) and i'm okay with that because i just i want to keep making stuff instead of trying to make the perfect thing um so yeah having those types of people around you to help effectuate and encourage that have been um, incredibly helpful especially after so much isolation and pauses and and work and projects that's what's been good like you know dealing with your i know you had some health issues there 
for a while and then you were posting like some of the poetry and things and you know going through health issues and on our end too mm-hmm. that it was just like you know it was one of my favorite things about art and stuff is finding where you can you know it makes you feel less alone because you find people who are going through similar things so that was always like a great thing that you were so eloquent and so like you know open as everything you were going through that it was kind of like as we were dealing with stuff like that it was definitely more comforting so i mean mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's something you do on purpose trying to make things more relatable for the people you know for the audience or i appreciate that i think initially it's probably selfish <laughs> on my <laughs> end of trying to just express myself and if it sticks it sticks and that's an even more powerful and um comforting in a fucked up way but then the more vulnerable i've been the more connections you can immediately make with people and kind of skip the how's the weather conversation and get to how are you and how are you doing conversation which i think you know we all fall into those types of patterns just because of life and whatnot so um it's definitely selfish (laughs) for me but it's so comforting to connect and then it's like well shit we could have been talking about this all along you know yeah Yeah. i'm glad it's selfish well that that way i mean honestly if it wasn't somewhat selfish it wouldn't be sincere if you were too busy like how can i say this in a way that's easily you know or how can i make this less where it's less jarring for people and you're not being you know as right it's good to be thoughtful but it's also good in you know heavier moments to lay that out and be somewhat selfish Mm -hmm. like this is what i have i need to say about this well i'm and i'm firmly in the camp of art should be uh therapy and healing and not be a stressor so right right put it out there and it connects with people awesome i just i'm inspired by your you know you just put put it all out there which is awesome well, thank you thank you all right i have to ask this question we haven't done this one in a while but i'm just interested uh-huh. especially because you started out with zines and stuff like that so at what age was it when you were like like when music became something that was like like i'm gonna make a zine about all these bands like i'm gonna do all this like what was it what was that spark where like music really grabbed a hold of you um i was fortunate to grow up in a very creative environment those are all paintings of my grandfathers everywhere so like visual art was always a part of our lives and um like my parents bought a piano at goodwill for 90 bucks when we were little kids and middle c was missing the ivory and when i got to piano practice i was like what the fuck it's a sea of white keys here where's middle c you know so like there was always appreciation for the music side of things but not like a comfortableness or a confidence there but um um, probably in like my teen years my brother's two years older than me and um, he was growing up in the Bay Area we were around like Fat Records and like Epitaph Records who would put out a lot of punk compilations and that was like me stealing my brother's fat book of you know CDs <laughs> um, and he would like make mixes and I'd memorize the order of all the punk and stuff like that so my teenage years were heavily influenced by, by my brother um, and like he would take me to a couple couple punk shows up in like San Francisco or I got to go to Gilman Street when I was young um, so I always wanted to be around it I just didn't know how to be around it especially like as a female and being young at the time you know I, I loved the energy and I loved the aggression and I loved the emotion that came from it but um, I think the zine was like a way and like photography 
photography was like my way of finding my own entrance to it outside of like being my brother's little sister going to shows with him um but yeah like teenage years i was super into like punk music and the punk scene and i wanted to draw you know skateboard decks and surf art and that sort of stuff um and i think that was a lot of proximity of where i lived and what was happening during that time so yeah zine or the the cds of my brothers for sure during my teenage years were were kind of my entrance and like escapism from the normal stuff that was what people were listening to at school so so see it's not fair i didn't have any older siblings just such crap see that's where i was like same deal my brother got into skateboarding and then moved on to surfing it was like here's like all these punk like i listened to you know like more rock and metal songs now because that's what surfers listen to or more like white guy (laughs) reggae stuff here you go you guys here's my black flag records and you know again like stuff like yeah about like that so i was kind of the same thing like oh man like i got into all these bands and it was always a big thing in a lot of the punk stuff where it was like you know you do this do it yourself get out and do things be a part of it you know you went to a show and a lead singer was always sticking a mic in the audience's face and stuff i was like oh i can do this right so so sam sam are you on record as saying that your older brother was a huge fan of ub40 oh dude i remember him owning that cassette set (laughs) that was less embarrassing than your brother living in crystal beach texas you know with like a graduating class of eight kids and he's like dude i can really like like playing like nwa acting like he could relate (laughs) of course i guess man he did get his ass beat a lot once he quit football like he got hassled by the cops a lot so maybe so but you know small town cops like why'd you quit football pussy you know (laughs) you're out there riding that surfboard we ought to beat thing. your ass like you know be a real man go play football and go one and seven this season you know you let but, your team down buddy so maybe i'm just i'm going through it maybe he could relate but i was always ub40 was far less embarrassing like yeah dude daniel can be like red red you know and like, <laughs> so yeah but no he had that i can i can confirm that that was something he owned oh, nice. <laughs> oh man that's great when i got into when i started getting the ska stuff when it hit i started realizing daniel had all these records from like the specials and stuff like that already and i just always thought it was like reggae bands but no was, he was into ska before the before like the, the wave came he was ahead of his time i have to say i'm really Damn. jealous because i didn't i didn't know about i mean i knew about punk rock but i didn't know about especially not female-led punk rock until very recently <laughs> oh like, yeah I just same here the train. same here i feel yeah, like i missed I the train on all of it i think like the distillers were the only female fronted band that i knew of at that time like i didn't know who patty smith was or kim gordon until i discovered it on my own like in my 20s like oh yeah, yeah 40s. That, that was not part of the lessons <laughs> sure (laughs) yeah there were a lot we were weird because in houston we had a lot of female fronted like applicators and stuff like that they were like female fronted punk bands yeah it wasn't like something where we're all like well yeah but there was like we know like these five people that are like all female bands and then yeah everyone else like dude that like does not have like that's weird it was like oh okay because i was always like women got a lot to be angry about i'd be up there screaming and throwing things too right (laughs) (laughs) i mean i was a young male you know anytime you know i was interested in someone i was too scared to do anything was misogyny turn to that be that make some <laughs> shitty comment because i can't handle my own emotions so you know it's, 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 i'm just saying most boys do that like uh well you just girls are stupid and they can't do anything and leave me alone i'm going home play video Wait, is, games. boys are taught in the <laughs> south is is this music in the minor league or men in the minor uh, league Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm just saying. It's like, it's pointing out that, you know, a lot of these bands, it's like, it was always kind of an odd thing because they're having to deal with that shit, man. It's like, get up there and be angry and lay it out because, you know, as I got older and more more comfortable with me and my mood, it's like, man, like, I'd be really pissed off having to deal with past me. Like, <laughs> you know, but we, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. Stop making I think a lot has just changed, you know? I mean, even really, myself. Like the <laughs> and the culture around us has changed in the last 20 years and mm-hmm. just in a measurable way but still angry still, right. still love to hear uh, the ladies yell about the things that make them angry makes me happy <laughs> sadly it hasn't changed a lot over the years no not much yeah. no. True. <clears throat> what were we discussing we were discussing uh, you know basic misogyny I watched the, the Brooke Shields documentaries I'm way behind oh, on yeah. all that stuff but I, uh, I kind of started it and stopped it and then I started discussing it with Sam and I was just like but that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore and he looks at me he's like doesn't it and I was like oh God damn it! Every day, yeah, it does. Right to right. children, basically, all the time, and I'm so glad I don't have children. I'm so because right. <laughs> I would feel this. Agreed. I would have way more of, of a panic disorder than I have if I had children that I had to worry about navigating these systems. It's crazy. Okay. Right off the uh, No, no, you're 100% <laughs> correct. It's uh, overwhelming, and the access to like constant information. Obviously, I think like speaking for myself. But I think like as a millennial, I'm 40, the anxiety and depression has also totally been cranked up, you know, with the pocket information and... Yeah. All of that, you know, and yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, it's hard I to navigate always... as an adult, so I couldn't exactly. imagine as a kid. <laughs> exactly. I, I can't. And as an adult, you know, everything you, everything you're frustrated with, it, you've sort of learned to navigate, sort of. But every day you learn about something that's just like will knock you to your knees, and you're like, well, how? How am right. I supposed to? Yeah. Pandemic really brought it out for a lot of us. I think. Oh yeah. So. You watched a lot more. You had to. You got to be a you know a viewer more. You had to an see a lot observer. of stuff that was happening. Of course, a lot of the stuff too. It's what's distilled for us for ratings too because you know break it down true being a library you know a pseudo librarian it's like you go through stats and things because you know you're bored you're going through these things like yeah things are really some of the most like peaceful non-violent in the u.s at least but you turn on the tv it's like everyone's killing everybody at every moment it's just right you know it's just you can't even if you know the the reality of the situation you see the sensationalized version it's just like this is a 24-hour news cycle yeah and you start get almost like you know hyperventilating it's like dude things are oh god oh god oh god everything's how do i disconnect from that. Except Ooh. for mass shootings. Mass shootings are like, the highest they've ever been and ever will probably. But, you know, everything else is not that bad. Not as bad as the news <laughs> would have you think. Just the mass shooting. You know, you're, you, as long as you're not in a group, you're, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> just stay by yourself, everybody. That's Sam's advice. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just weird because if you list, a, if you, you pull up any news site right now, it's like that's the entire front yeah. page is this person kidnapped, this person murdered, this person. It just does get to a point yeah. where it's just like, yeah, it's, it hangs heavily. It's the reason people dwell so much on mental health stuff. That's because you're constantly bombarded with things that destroy your mental health yeah. it's hard to get away from that yeah it's time to, and you know there's a I'm sure there's a rhyme to the reason for somebody it's like how can we keep these people freaked out all the time i think it i mean i think it is bled into like everyday living of the the driving anywhere in yeah. america is tense and hostile grocery stores still tense and hostile you know you see service workers getting 
pounded at the fucking Chipotle line for not putting enough sour cream on the goddamn burrito. Like the the temperature and the pressure, I think, is like permanently not to be negative and dark, but I'm going to be negative <laughs> and dark has seeped into everyday living. And while there are simultaneously multiple genocides going on and yeah. colonization, and it's I think for us personally, like my conversations with Mike and stuff, that's the reality of the future of the societal contract is, is broken you know and I think that is starting to be felt by us pedestrians <laughs> you know that World War 3 doesn't have to look like World War 2 when it's you know at, at a time like happening to to us <laughs> you know what I mean yep. yeah I, I think I think a lot of it too is as our generation you know uh, late Gen Xers and Millennials we're starting to feel that guilt that we know that the next generations we're giving them a a, a screwed up scenario. We're not leaving it in a better s- situation for them and we're dealing with the guilt that comes with that and also the frustration of knowing that it wasn't just us. You know, the previous people, you know, good God, boomers, no, I'm sorry, we, we keep harping on them, but Jesus, man. A lot of them like are they, still in charge. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and they're making, well, and they're making decisions that'll be far, far reaching past their lives right. and, and it's like, and we, we look like the assholes because we're the adults in the room, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but no, I'm not the asshole. I'm still cool. Like, I think it's fucked up <laughs> that, you know, people don't want to take care of people and we don't want to, you know, take care of our planet and all that stuff. And it really pisses you off because you're like, yes, I have to look at my, you know, my kids and say, yeah, guys, sorry, you'll be voting soon enough. Hopefully you can salvage this. I don't know what you're going to get. Right. You know, that, that was yeah. the shift from the weed to me, you know, it's like people came back and it was just like, a lot of came back for World War II and was just like, yeah, I give my kid everything they could, have. which is good. You know, care about that whole thing about yourself when you start thinking about us, not everybody else. Forget what society goes, get yours. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about when we were in college stuff, get rich or die trying. Like, that's what's on the thing, that's mm-hmm. what's on the radio. And it's like, dude, that is like the antithesis of what we need to be as a people. But there's mm-hmm. a reason that's on the radio because it sold a lot of stuff and made people go out and buy a lot of things and fed the, the corporate machine. And then when it comes time to this, yeah, where people are literally throwing plates of hot food because they don't like the way it came out at someone making seven dollars an hour, yeah. right? Rather it's, than being like, it's, it's a fucking travesty that you're only making seven dollars right. an hour, you know, to make. Me yeah. food that I'm paying ten dollars for. Well, right. Yeah, it, to work two hours for that. Right. Well, and what's and what's so crazy is like when I have conversations with like older people. <laughs> funny saying that because they're in the forties, but you know what I mean. Um, like talk with my dad. You know, my dad's awesome, um, but he's older, obviously. And when you talk to him about, you know, he's like, "Yeah, I just ordered this from McDonald's, and you know, they got it wrong, and well, they want fifteen bucks an hour." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, Dad, I wouldn't give a shit either if I was making seven bucks <laughs> exactly. an hour. Be happy you got. Be happy you got your slop in a time." manner like you start paying 15 bucks an hour then yeah i should be able to expect a little bit better service possibly but jesus i mean i, I just I, it's hard to and he's one of the easy ones to, to kind of negotiate with because he's not that total like get off my lawn kind of guy mm-hmm. but even him you're just like dude do you, do you hear yourself what you're saying because like that's seven bucks an hour is not shit when you break it down compared to everything else we have to pay money for and you're mad because the guy getting that is not like oh here's your you know on a silver platter like no duh he's not gonna do that <laughs> i am so glad <clears throat> that that's your dad and i, I don't have like i don't have that but i'm glad i have that perspective from other people but yeah it's it's totally frustrating that they can't see like the huge change that has happened in their lifetime and they're still operating right. somewhere in the 70s or the 80s well, I, I, I think it's because they had it okay like it was decent for them right yeah. they could go buy a car for a reasonable amount they could go buy a house like you know their first house like we Maybe can't do that 
Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been in my career for almost 20 years and I'm still in the same house that my wife and I bought 17 years ago. Like, and I'm thinking we're probably not ever going to move. But, you know, my parents, they could have moved three or four times at that point just because they had more mobility because of their their wages carried more. Wow, this this podcast is going this, down a yeah, really weird... Yeah, it went like a... Type. <laughs> but I think it's... I'm here for it. This is what we talk about. No, it makes, so I think it covers the point, like Vanessa was talking about, listening to everything, kind of, you know, want to be more vocal music is a lot of making art is observing the world around you. It's not just act, not just True. I'm actively running and not paying attention to anything. It's like taking a few moments to go like, like what's going on? What's a clever right. way? What's kind of a subversive way to talk about it where people will listen to it and be like, yeah, I like that. So, and then one day they go, wait a minute, like, what's she talking about? Right, right. right. It's a powerful way to deliver experiences. And personally, like, I don't want to hear, like, love songs or anything right now. Like, there's way too much to be going on that that I want to hear those experiences. I want those voices amplified. Um, I... I I'm finding um, pleasure in learning about other parts of the world through through music and through their storytelling and their you know um, narrations of things. So to me, that's the most palatable way right now to like have difficult conversations with those that we don't relate with you know um because you could sit into your blue in the face but sometimes when you have like a personal uh, artistic experience of like listening to a song or watching a, a show or reading a new book like it's less um i've lost for words here but it's it, it's less uh, offensive so the person doesn't have to be defensive they could be more open to receiving and sitting with that and they don't have to lay their opinion on it right away um so so I think now more than ever, those are the songs and stories that I want to be listening to and reading. I f- I'm, I'm an old person on TikTok right now trying to figure it out. And there's a <laughs> Sudanese woman who is a rapper and like has just blown my mind, not only by her creative brilliance, but she's laying out facts and information about the reality of what's going on in Sudan. And I- I'm learning more things than I learned in my college career you know like and that's on social media and that's really fucking cool and that's super accessible and hopefully maybe if I share that someone goes and listens to her and like oh shit there is a genocide going on in Sudan and you can back it up and and start to learn and take those things in instead of being another opinionated person on the internet you know that is my McDonald's was cold and I'm pissed off about it because it is fucking overpriced and you know there's a reason for all of those things and now we can start to maybe see it through the appropriate vein that is in our own. Another good thing about being exposed, like you talk about, was you learn about their things and you also learn that they're not, as, as far as people in their lives, they're not much different than ours in the fact that, you know, when you're raised, it's like people who live in the Middle East all just live in like huts in the desert and they're doing this. The picture you get is not the reality of like, these are lush cities where people live very similar. We're not over there just dropping bombs in the middle of an empty field or something. We're blowing up cities with just like where we're at. You're seeing these mm-hmm. places people go to nightclubs they go out they do things they go to concerts they you know do all this stuff together they meet up at restaurants for lunch like you're not getting this abstract view that you were fed in like high school history where it's like no no everyone in the country in the continent of africa just lives in you know tribal areas and do all this and they it's like no like these are people in metropolitan areas doing all this stuff you know like people in gaza like they went in and they blew up like their town squares for a reason so they couldn't gather anymore like there's things 
they do. And it's it's good to see this where you're like, okay, A, their experiences are totally different because of what's being done to them. But at the same time, like it makes it where it's far more easy to visualize what's happening when you're like, okay, these this would be just like if someone came and blew up downtown Houston and it was like, how would right. we feel? We would probably be right. just as it's not more angry, you know, if someone did this to us. Yeah. For right. whatever silly little reason they decided to do it, you know. Right. <sighs> so, so angry. But I mean, it's good. It's one of the good things that young people are seeing through like the perpetuation yeah. of, because they use, you know, being around young people, like they use social media a different way than we do even our 30s Very and 40s. True. It's like, oh, we're like absorbed. We're talking to people in different, we're having active conversations with people in other countries and people in other, you know, parts of the world via, you know, again, TikTok, things like that, via even stuff like Instagram and things like they're actually communicating with each other and doing things. Mm-hmm. So it kind of mm-hmm. makes the world smaller in a positive way where we're still just like, what could I bitch about today on the internet? Yeah. Right. What has happened to me? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's a beautiful part of, especially for art for me, like say again, it was a way growing up in a very isolated area like coastal Texas where there was nothing around. I had to take like a 35 minute boat ride to get to like, you know, solid land. It was the one place growing up where I was like, okay, people in California, people in New York, people in Minnesota or wherever are experiencing a lot of the same feelings that I am. So I'm not just some weirdo out in the middle of nowhere bumpkin guy who, you know, has had some, you know, there's a certain bit of shame if you feel like I'm the only person who's dealing with this. Like there's something wrong with me. It's like, okay, everybody feels this, which circles us all the way back around to, you know, kind of like what you're saying, getting up there and talking about your reality as, you know, you may feel like it's somewhat selfish, but at the same time, it pulls everybody in. It's like, okay, I'm not fucked up. Like somebody else feels this way. Okay, good. You know, it's. I think that honesty is so invaluable right now because everything does feel like gaslighting and bullshit lies that we all agreed to, to be a part of, you know, American society that no longer are in place or serve the whole of the people. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that honesty is completely invaluable right now and is is attractive to people because there's there's not that in the workplace. There's not that, you know, in the political place. And I think a lot of relationships have suffered from the pandemic and isolation and feeling very, very alone during that time. So I think gathering for art, for songs, for creative expression is like a very, very powerful tool that I hope we start to get even more back to because I know shows shows and numbers and money isn't there for people to, to be out and be a social as we were before the pandemic. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's like where the revolution lies is, <laughs> you know, is in, in that, uh, power and unity. And I think art and music are the front lines, front lines of that and uh, able to bridge people together, you know? Definitely. I know at least in our community, uh, during the pandemic, that was one thing we heard over and over and over and over and over and over again was just, I can't wait to get back to that community, that space where we all gathered to witness uh, art being, mm-hmm. you know, happening, and you know, we've been able to get back to it physically, but I don't, I don't know that we'll ever get back to it the way it was before. I think things have changed a lot. <clears throat> um, obviously, it's not bad for for everyone, you know. I appreciate where we are right now. I appreciate where you are right now, especially with this live music project that you're doing. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel like this was the natural next step for you? Um, and you're gonna yeah, keep doing I, it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it's hard because like we were. Recorded like uh, kind of like, we call it 
the long piece. It's kind of more of like a, a soundscape that mm-hmm. the the guys created over like a chord progression that Micah originally created for me right before the pandemic. We were in England and the UK and had the opportunity to perform um, some of my spoken word pieces with a um, full fucking orchestra, which was absolutely amazing. <laughs> but all of a sudden, so cool. we, like, Micah was like, oh, shit, like, I need to somehow explain to the guy, like, what, what the chords are and whatnot. So it kind of started like that. Um, and so we recorded that in February of 2020. Um, and in a way, the pandemic and all the live streams and lockdowns and trying to gather community social online uh, like pushed me to be very uncomfortable performing just with Micah like I did not like it at all at first because I was like well this isn't this isn't our sound this isn't what I hear and and see Um, and so I think in a way that was really really good for me because it forced me to perform to nobody you know the very like you get done and you're like okay it was just a screen cool right right (laughs) (laughs) so I think that was like a positive uncomfortableness for me that maybe like I might have like hid behind the band more I think if if the the isolation and the lockdown shows weren't there so I think that like gave me uh, a confidence in performing and then like you were saying Kim I, I just I got very angry and I realized that this is all we get and not to waste time anymore and to like put my nerves or my insecurities of what I think performers should sound and look like and I was like oh fuck it <laughs> fuck everybody <laughs> I want to do this I'm gonna go do this <laughs> And so, yeah, like our our newer, like actual songs now are, you know, proper, proper pieces. And so, yeah, it was a struggle, but I think it was a really positive struggle that that pushed me and maybe something that I might have like been more timid and hid behind. So, yeah, I think it was a positive, a positive push. It's doing that in isolation. God love all of us. Right. <laughs> Figuring it out in isolation. Just, yeah, I'm sure that was so fun. <laughs> uh, what? To, I, don't, I don't want to bum it out again, but. Um, I love a bum out. <laughs> I think one of the things that I thought would be good to talk about, especially, you know, right at this very moment, is we were talking about coming out of the pandemic with music and art and things like that. One of the things that's noticed is just like with housing, it's just like with anything, the, the divide has grown. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all the big bands are coming out charging ungodly amounts of money for shows and it's not even like it's killing us at the bottom there wasn't really much for us to be like on our level but all the people in the middle which i would put you know a lot of these people like you know y'all have done shows with frank turner and stuff like that and a lot of these bands that we see like they're not going out doing nationwide tours anymore they're usually doing like this quadrant this and then a month later go out and do this and being all the way down in houston we noticed that probably 85 percent of tours do not come all the way down to houston it's not worth driving nope eight hours out of your way round trip and you know i would consider definitely micah in the in the middle of that and you know doing that you know with years of two cow and things like that and you are doing this together so plant you firmly in the center and after missing a like you know you basically just missed a week of work yeah and it's kind of i think it's good for people listening that you know aren't means people to realize like how catastrophic that can be in the current world that you know there's no like oh well i got sick and it doesn't matter the club's gonna send me my sick leave money you know it's like you're not there it's like well you know too bad for you right so um 
not just on that, but you know, the I think it'd be good to you see it, you deal with it. It's like the the financial hardship of anything going wrong these days. How that hits you, yeah. how that affects yeah. y'all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's paycheck to paycheck, you know, and you're the only one hustling for the paycheck, or who gives a shit if you you do get paid, you know. So um, at, at our working class level, like a lot of, and I'm sure same with you all, a lot of your go to promoters or go to clubs aren't in existence or we're experiencing a lot of like backup of you know bands higher up than us that are playing smaller clubs so the numbers are better for them which i get it totally obvious you know but that definitely um lessens the pond (laughs) to choose from yeah um so like we're still trying to book out march and it's just it's swiss cheese right now in terms of tours you know of like well shit like maybe we'll have to come home for three days and then pop back out to pittsburgh and when usually you know maybe you can take like a, a hit and play western pennsylvania on a monday just to get to pittsburgh and still make a little something and at least play a show and try so yeah the the booking is takes them the morale away right now for sure um and yeah like yeah i i was sick micah was fortunate and stayed healthy and he was able to go on and do the shows and stuff and um but like we're a two person workforce so um you know that's two separate incomes of, of merch money and stuff like that so yeah it's impossible like the especially coming out of the pandemic you know we kept tours shorter just so it wasn't like oh fuck we're in nebraska and you know we've got covid and we have to cancel the rest of the shows and we're with our rental car and blah 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 so it's just it's been a lot of decision making that you never thought were decisions you'd have to think about and it's it's just exhausting you know it takes away from for me personally it's taken the creative juice out of the room a lot of the times because I'm so focused on wearing my business side of um, the creative work so that that's been like a, a struggle and something I have to remind myself to to like come back to being positively selfish um, and not being completely weighed down by that but there's the reality of it so it always comes back to fucking money you know that's true yeah um, but, that's the downside but it's good to you know because I think a lot of people don't get to see that you know the whole like oh well, these people just show up in my town and you know it sucks only like 10 people were there but man it was great i got to sit right up front and i got to do this or that you know this happened or they got sick or and it's just like yeah man like there's a, this affects everybody like all the way through right and yeah we've dealt with that yeah, a lot like, with booking where it's like you know i'm more crassy people are always like suddenly able to date out of their league and it's like you're like oh god there's like a 75 person room pulling someone who used to play like a theater and it's like okay cool we can't yeah we can't you know there's points where it's like some of the shows like we can't compete with tommy stinson you know it's like right right. understand like hey if y'all have this night open it's like oh they're okay yeah no no i understand they're doing some different booking now (laughs) i would book the super suckers over us too i get it (laughs) yeah and i don't know about you all but i mean it's even like our normal numbers aren't there just with people have you know as we age we have more commitments and more responsibilities and that tightens the purse strings and 
all all understandable things you know so i think like at the the blue collar level that we're at it's still it's still a challenge to get like our normal go-to community out um so it's yeah it's bumpy <laughs> we're definitely it's like you know if it's a roller coaster we're on a down because it's like coming out of the pandemic it was kind of so then like it hit this great right last year everyone's coming out and they're doing stuff by this year it was back to like man like i'm busy right. with work i've got this the kids are back doing everything like everything got back to you know everyone said it wouldn't get back to normal but it got pretty back to normal yep. it was yeah like, i'm overextended i was gonna come but man i sat down on the couch and i was like i ain't getting back up. <laughs> i'm so tired and i was like i, I understand we get it <laughs> I, we totally get that too like we live next to a, a great music venue in columbus <laughs> i'll look outside and i'll be like ah there's still people out smoking the band hasn't started yet so i'm totally guilty of it <laughs> <laughs> it happens man i mean it's just you know we see it even with stuff where it's like we'll play shows like well you know we're in the you know like at the big top or something it's like well it's quiet over here but over next door in the big room at the continental and you look in there you're like oh god like <laughs> there's like 18 oh, people in there like what is going on now you drive home it's like every club like you know where it normally has lines of people it's like there's no one here like what what happened today it's like nice weather it's just weird like right. sometimes people are just like tonight's well, not a night odd, we're all going out odd fall <laughs> who knows if i knew the formula right. i would share it i would broadcast it and make <laughs> like, a qr code on a t-shirt for everybody <laughs> right well, even ohio I don't know you know what it's the like, trick is like for us to hear a text like soon as football season starts like well that's mm-hmm. over yeah what about saturday night? it was saturday night's college football we have it friday night mm-hmm. no everybody's going to local high school because people care right you know? yeah. but ohio you know oh you got all that you got right. Ohio. <laughs> right it rules the school too oh it's wild and yeah columbus yeah good friend yeah. of mine from youngstown it was like going through an airport with them every time somebody they would see each other across like any airport they're both wearing their ohio state or brown stuff oh it's like yelling like across the it's like terminal it's like wow it's like okay cool what i know this is such a big deal well we're getting close to an hour in we don't keep it too much longer we're gonna step it up a little bit we're gonna we're gonna be more positive for a second health <laughs> health you're up all right so this is final question time so this is your chance to give us three to five bands or musicians that you feel people should know about or don't know enough about um they can be local they can be mid-level but just three to five bands that you really feel people should be listening to go for it okay i'm pulling up my uh music list because i don't know how to pronounce the last name but uh first one is bob villain i think he's gotten a little more popular but he's out of the uk um and it's two-piece band and they uh are everything that i want to hear and listen to right now um there's a sudanese rapper and her name is nadine el ruby e-l-r-o-u-b-i um i found her on tiktok and completely blew my mind and i'll give a shout to my drummers band in columbus ohio garbage creek um they are just an amazing rock and roll garage band and um i think they make a really really cool sound and are doing different stuff right now so yeah those have been kind of my three power rotations of like not well-known folks nice power rotation Perfect. i like that <laughs> yeah that's one of my goals this week is to sit down and do playlists of everyone that people have mentioned so that Ooh, that's like, a good we idea we yeah. can share that because it's kind of like you know oh well but it's like 
like be like here's a playlist we'll add people every episode where you can go check them out so sam needs the project he yeah. does <laughs> something to keep i feel from staring at my i inbox. feel like i feel like hip-hop is really like where the storytelling is right now and where culture is and uh, obviously we all emulate black culture i think and um i think i've i've been really attracted to the the storytelling and the honesty and like delivering it in um joyful ways and and complete ownership of that so i think that's been um an attractive sound to me right now as well right on we'll give them a listen Solid. all right yeah. and then to bring it home is there anything else that you know anything you want us to know about you got anything new fixing to release or anything special going on outside gosh i'm just gonna get really weird really weird in 2024 i throw everything at it um try to do as much as we can um all of the musicians in our band right now todd and jay are out with uh, lydia loveless right now and our drummer jason just played a show with garbage greek so even though we're not always together it makes me really really happy that everyone is usually uh hustling doing creative things and um yeah i just can't wait to get in the room with them and um keep doing this so yeah throwing it all at at, at it this year <laughs> hell yeah all right yeah. well then on that note see y'all next time bye, bye. thanks friends bye. all right y'all that does it for episode 35 of music in the minor league man we hope you enjoyed our conversation with vanessa it was great we had so much fun sitting down and talking with her we hope you'll check out call me rita check out her art go buy something from her etsy page which will be linked in the episode description great stuff we're Big fans of her we hope y'all will love her as much as we do man she's great 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 before we go real quick again if you like what you hear share the podcast with a friend get the word out it's the best way for us to share and grow and get the word about all these artists out into the world if you're an artist that wants to be interviewed by the show hit us up on instagram dm us on facebook email us anything any way you can get a hold of Brightwire or through the music in the minor league page hit us up we'd love to talk to you with all of that out of the way we're gonna leave you with this one this song called this is a stick up another jam from call me rita hope you enjoy it see y'all next time later